On today's pod, we have Maurice Fernandez. Maurice and I have done a number of different events together. Whenever I need him to do career counseling or assist in the programs that we offered at the SDZ, he was always the first to say yes. He really is a people person, not a guy with a science background, but really loves working in this field, trying to help connect the dots for students in their career development. So please lean in to this conversation with Maurice Fernandez. All right, everybody, welcome back to the pod. Today we have maybe not a familiar face, but somebody who you should be familiar with, and that's Maurice Fernandez. Maurice, welcome to the pod. Thanks, Brian. It's uh, great having you here, Maurice. Tell us a little bit about more about your role at Ryerson and, and what you do here. Sure. So I'm a career education specialist at the Ryerson Career Co-op Center. And one of the, actually the unique things about Ryerson is that we are a, the career center, the career co-op center is a faculty labor model program, if you will. And what that means is that each faculty has a dedicated career team assigned to it. And so I get the privilege of working with the Faculty of Science undergraduate students. And you do a fantastic job. And we're going to unpack that a little bit more as we go down. Okay. But did, you, did you know that you always wanted to be a career educational specialist? Nope. <laughs> well, <laughs> so when Absolutely you were a kid. <laughs> so when you, okay, so think back to when you were a kid, what'd you want to be? You know what, I think it's probably some of like the more, the traditional career paths. Like I had aspirations of being a, like a ball player. But, and you know, and I, and I, and I tried really hard, but, but I lack talent. That was the one skill. Was like, <laughs> zero talent. Like I can't hit. <laughs> I can't. Feel. So yeah. So that ended really quick. Why couldn't you be the pitcher then? <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> I hope there's no pitchers. Just kidding. Baseball. Yeah. Pitchers, yeah. <laughs> pitchers are athletes too. But yeah. So yeah, no, zero talent. So that kept me out of any kind of aspiration. I still play but it's just more recreational beer league stuff. My grandfather, who's like a massive influence in my life, was an entrepreneur but and a truck driver. So, and I would spend summers with him in Panama and we would, and I'd be in his truck. I would just drive cross country with him, right? That's how we spend our time together. And I thought like being a truck driver would be the greatest thing ever. And he's like, listen, I'm not breaking my back so you can be a truck driver, <laughs> right? Which, is, which I think is kind of interesting, right? Because if he was alive today, he'd see what the essential services of a truck driver, right? And yeah, yeah. moving, but this just kind of happened to me along my HR career. So, so that that we're going to unpack that career in just a second. But so did you, were you born in Panama? Is that hometown yep. or the home country? Yeah. So were you, where in Panama were you born? Panama City. Oh, okay. So, so you were yeah. right there. Right. Yeah. Right in the heart of the, of the country. Yeah. And my mom moved to, uh, went to school in, in Jamaica. I met my dad there. And then, yeah, and then I was a happy coincidence of that meeting. <laughs> so, okay. So then you guys, so your parents met your dad, you went back to Panama. How long, when did you come to Canada? So we moved to Toronto shortly after my brother was born. So maybe, I, I believe I was two years old and my parents got divorced and my mom was quite young and in Canada by herself. So she made a really tough decision, which was to go back to Panama, leave us with our grandparents. And then she flew back to Canada. And then we stayed with my grandparents up until I was seven. Cool. So she could just so, establish herself in Toronto. Yeah. This was the same grandpa that was driving you around in Panama? No. Same, yep. same guy? Yep. Okay. Same guy. Yeah, same. So, yep. okay. So these essentially were, they, they raised you in, until you were seven years old then? Yep. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Yeah, they were so, okay. huge influence. 
Yeah, I actually, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents too when I was a kid growing up and it was, it's fantastic because they're, you're kind of nicer than parents. Well, it's not like they wouldn't, you know, use the whip if they had to, but they're just, they, they, I don't know, they seem like they were always more easygoing. I don't know if you had the same experience. My grandfather was pretty easygoing. My grandmother was a much more stoic, but yeah, he was disciplinary when he needed to be. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So then let's be uh, honest, I gave him reason to be. <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> you weren't playing enough baseball. That's why. No, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so where did you, let, we'll skip a few years. Where did you go to high school? Which part of town? Yeah, so interesting. I went to several high schools. I was that kid. You may, you may ask about being a student. I was not what you would consider a strong student. Yeah, high school is tough. So high school, I went to three different schools. Yeah, so downtown Toronto, school in Scarborough. And I also went to finally graduated from uh, school in North Toronto. And so what, do you mind sharing, like, what was it, what was the thing that kept on bouncing between schools? Was it discipline or was it just focus or was it, what was I it? just, I was never like in the principal's office. So it wasn't anything like discipline or anything. It was just, I just had a hard time finding my, my space, right. And finding my community. So, yeah. So like I started out in all boys Catholic school and, and it was private and I was just like, I don't really think this is for me. And then I went to a school in, in Scarborough, which was not it was going through a bit of a transition. And so that was really a rough period for me too. And then I finally settled at Lawrence Park Collegiate, which was, I found a bit of my groove there. And then I, I graduated, like I had OAC when I was in high school. So yeah. I, I still graduated in the five, right? But it was, yeah, yeah it was not, yeah, <laughs> my poor mom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I remember one time, the one time I did get in, like I get called into the off, uh, into the principal's office for skipping was because I had, uh, I had asked my mom if I could stay home. Like one day I just needed a day. Like, and she's like, well, do you have an exam or anything? I'm like, no, no, nothing like that. So she called the school and then I went to the school the next day and they're like, well, you're going to get detention for skipping. I'm like, no, my mom called. And so there was a little bit of an argument on that. And I got home, I was steamed. And I asked my mom, like, what happened here? She's like, well, I called school X. I'm like, I don't go there anymore. So she, she she just called the wrong school and she was just so oh. me, keeping track keeping track of where I was at. So, yeah, so, so I was told I wasn't allowed to move schools ever again. And yeah, it was on me. So I took responsibility. I had to take that one. I took the L on that one. So. <laughs> that's a good story. That's, that's yeah. <laughs> My mom's Her a mom, saint. <laughs> yeah, yeah, clearly, clearly. Okay, so what? Uh, so where did it, what happened next after high school? What did you do? Yeah, so last summer I, I I wanted to go to Panama. I wanted to spend some time with my grandparents because when I when else was I gonna get a larger break like that? And there I had to decide like which school to go to. So I chose McMaster. And okay. so I did my undergrad in political science with a minor in international justice and human rights. Oh, I didn't think I knew that. Political science, yeah. eh? So what did did you why political science? What was the thinking there? So it just so in Mac it had three streams and I was really interested in the international stream. I guess that tied really nicely with the, at the time McMaster called theme schools. So you would also take this minor and one of the, the minor I chose was international justice and human rights. So I thought I was going to be a lawyer. I thought I was going to be a human rights lawyer and it was going to be me and Amal. But uh, George Clooney beat me too. So that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, damn George. Yeah. 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 Okay. So what, so what thing I know you have a good story here about your transition to Ryerson. So let's, let's walk us through it then. So after you finish your political science degree, what happens? Mm -hmm. What, what, how do you get to Ryerson? Yeah. So fast forward, I was in human resources. I ended up in HR and then I specialized in early talent acquisition. So that's what the cool kids in HR calling new grad hiring. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so early talent acquisition. And then I was actually responsible for building out our early talent acquisition programs with schools across 
Ontario, Western Canada, into Quebec and a bit into the US as well. So we were doing a big hiring push and we needed to hire, you know, we wanted to make sure our, the company I was at at the time was like, they wanted 25% of their talent to be new grads and early talent. So I was on the road quite a bit with schools. And then Ryerson was just one of those partner schools that it just clicked in terms of like, you know, they helped me and they navigate, they helped me navigate the process because as, as you're well aware, it's not, higher, higher ed is really complex, which is something yeah, I wasn't yeah. aware of. Right. So they helped me navigate the process. And then about a year after we had won an award for the program that I was running, unfortunately, my role was eliminated. And so I'd been there for 12 years. So I got a really nice package and I was thinking like, what's my next career move? So maybe I'll just take some time off. And I, I called Ryerson, I called my manager, uh, the person who was the manager for the career center at the time and I said, Hey, I'm, you know, some news here. I'm moving on from my current position. Here's, you know, who you need to talk to. And for Jason, John, you know, he's, he's like, well, what are you doing next? And I'm like, I have no clue. I really don't. It's the first time in like 20 plus years that I was unemployed. So I'm just like, maybe I'll just take a couple of months to myself and just figure it out. He's like, well, I'm about to hit he was about to put a job in the system for a career education specialist for the faculty of science. And he's like, I would love for you to apply. And I'm like, I don't know, let me think about it. Right. And then, so I did my due diligence of like, I went on LinkedIn and I looked at everybody he hired. Right. And everybody on the team. And I was like, how, how do I fit in here? Right. So I went back to him back and forth a couple of times. He was like, no, it's, it's okay. I've seen you like actually Jason, John, funny enough, he was my account rep at LinkedIn. So I knew him before he joined Ryerson and then he joined Ryerson and I was, you know, stayed close to him, obviously, because he's a, he's my point person whenever I came onto campus. And he's like, no, I've seen you speak to students. I've seen you on these panels. I see how you engage with them. I think you've got that passion and that drive and you'll learn everything else as you go along. Like, and he wasn't wrong. Like I do like one of the things that I really enjoy is working with students and my partner, you know, she's like, well, you know, the happiest I ever see you is when you come home after an event and you've talked to students. And like, you seem to like, you know, spark their interest in what you do or what your company does. Why not try it? So I put my hat in the ring and several rounds of interviews later, I was, uh, I was hired and here I am. And I, and I'm really glad you are. And that, that is spot on. I, I think everybody would, everything was telling you is certainly what I've observed in, in my interactions with you. And so it's fantastic that you, that we have you as part of the team. What would you, what do you, I mean, I, I was looking at your career, at your uh, signature file, because you've got a whole bunch of like opportunities and like there's a lot in your signature file. Yeah. Um, what would you say for those people who don't know what you do on a daily basis? How would you briefly describe what this career specialist does and then what yeah. service it provides for our listeners? So for, yeah, for students, so it's, it's twofold. So I engage both with students and faculty. So for the student's perspective, I work with them on any anything career related, right? And that also includes if they're thinking about going into graduate school, helping them navigate that process. A lot of the work I do, some of this can be tactical in terms of like, hey, I've, you know, I need help writing a resume or, you know, there's this role I'm applying to and it requires a cover letter. I've never written one before. Or, you know, what's this LinkedIn thing I keep hearing about, right? So there's that. But I think a vast majority of the work that really comes down is to helping a student just understand what they can do with their BSc. A lot of our students, you know, kind of like, and, and you know, you think about it, like when you were in first year, what you were going to do and then something clicks and then you either follow that path or maybe it's third year and you're like, wow, I, that's not what I want to do. Did I just waste three years of my life? The short answer is no. 
so I help them kind of navigate that. And so a lot of like, we can do that through a couple of different methods, right? There is the one-on-one -on -one career session that a student can book with myself and members of the team. There are workshops on like labor market research, navigating things like professional networking and how to use like tools like LinkedIn and Twitter to find work. So that's a lot of that work that I do with students. And for faculty, it's just being a resource for them whenever they want to talk about careers. You know, sometimes it's getting involved in their classes. Sometimes it's just they may have a student that they may be really comfortable talking to a student about like how to get into academia, right? Which is perfectly cool. But a lot of I don't have an exact number on this, Brian, but I would hazard about 70% of the students still have a, they just don't know, right? And they're still yeah. just trying to figure that out. So, and, and sometimes our faculty members, right? If they've only known academia, then they may not be feeling comfortable in, in talking to the student about like careers. So I act as a resource to either help them and say, you know, let the student come and, and engage with me. If you want me in your class, just to briefly talk about careers in science or what that looks like, I'm available to them as well. And I also work a lot with the Ryerson Science Society and the course unions to, yeah. to try to you know, scale as much as I can, because it might be a groups of students that are having that question. Then we also make sure that we tailor it to the program. And, and you know, fantastic. The, the, all these things are fantastic. And what, I love how you're so willing to be adaptive to whatever the people's needs are. And you're right, like a lot of our, a lot of the people, podcast listeners even don't know what they want to do. And, and you're right, faculty, you're being, I think, maybe too polite, but <laughs> academia is designed no but academia is designed to train and recruit academics right it's really it's not it's kind of been shuttled into this role of training people to get jobs as an afterthought or careers more importantly so you're right we don't actually have we've never left school so what do we know about getting a job right <laughs> how do people like how would someone get how would someone get a touch with you though if right. like i mean we could share your email but there, is there a web resource or something that they could follow up on um yeah. to, to connect with you Absolutely. So there's a, actually there's a couple of tools that I've been employing because one of the one of the first mandates for when I took on this role was like your role is to make sure that every student you engage with try to engage with every student. <laughs> I think Jason was a little more direct. He's like, I want you to meet every student. <laughs> I'm like, all right, how many? Three thousand. I'm like, okay, let's go get it. <laughs> so yeah, so there's the Ryerson Career Co-op site, Ryerson Careers dash co-op.ca and then you can actually access the entire suite of services and programs we have for students whether it's booking a one-on-one appointment with a career education specialist like myself or coordinator or seeing what kind of events we have who's coming onto campus right now obviously it's it's virtual but that is also still active seeing what kind of workshops we have right from and i said a lot, a lot of them, some of them are tactical in terms of like resume cover letter but some are also more in the 21st century job skills like emotional intelligence and teamwork right so you'll be able to see the full suite i am part of the dean's d2l course shell so there is one for careers and co-op so all the students that get that email every wednesday from me it's actually the career newsletter so in there i tailor items for students. It's all career-based, whether it's case competitions, hackathons that they can take part in, jobs through our magnet job board, to who's coming onto campus. We curate that for the science students, and I try to curate as best I can for the program. So that's another one. I'm also extremely active on social, so LinkedIn, Twitter, at Mo Recruits, and that's M-O-E Recruits, both on Twitter and Instagram as well. So, but there's a lot of pictures of me and my cats. <laughs> just, being, just being ridiculous those are other ways that i also post up information on what's happening on campus and i and i would strongly suggest any of our listeners faculty staff whomever needs somebody to connect students as well 
to Maurice. He does a fantastic job. Maurice, what do you, what would you say? I think I know the answer to this, but there's a bit of a siren going on in the background. I <laughs> what, uh, what, what do you like best about your job? Oh, uh, it's, it's definitely like learning from the students and, and, and faculty and staff. I, I'll be honest with you. I like suffer imposter syndrome when I'm talking to y'all. Like it's just because you're always doing such great things, but I learned early on in my career is just not to like, not fall into that trap. It's just, just ask the question. Right. And so like the amount of education that students and, and faculty share with me about the things that they do, right. Is fantastic. And, and it's interesting when I talk to the students about this, right. I'm like, well, explain to me what you learned in that lab. Right. And I'm like, okay, well, that's the kind of thing that we can put in your resume. Right. Because students are getting caught up in that experience trap. Right. I don't have the experience to get the job, but how do I get the experience without getting the job? And they get so focused on like experience has to be paid. I'm like, no, let's talk about your academics, like your academic journey, like the lab safety courses you take or like, you know, Western blotting or working with reagents like that stuff should all be in your, your resume and just getting the student to talk to me about that has always been great and and you know there's nothing better than when a student gets it or it clicks with them or you know I've got somebody that has taken some of the advice I've given them along with other advice and and they achieved their goal and getting that email is is just amazing or they just you know send me a, a quick note via Instagram saying that they've landed at that opportunity that they were going after I think that's just that thing makes it all worthwhile. I'll be honest so that, with you. That phases my next question, which I think is an answer to what inspires you the most. So when you get that feedback that it was successful, what about when you don't get that feedback though? Like, I mean, what, where do you draw your strength from to, yeah. you know, to give it 110% every day and, you know, be on point in terms of enthusiasm and such? Yeah. And I, you know, and, and I think it's like, that's a really good word to draw my strength. I guess I'm just naturally curious about what people are doing right from uh and it, it was just i think that's one of those transferable skills i brought over from being a recruiter because as a recruiter you just normally ask people so what do you do right and then you try to figure out oh great have you ever tried x or have you connected with y so for me it just comes naturally i do though value like the downtime and the alone time so yeah. like i have suits that i have that then allow me to recharge and so setting up some boundaries like I only work certain hours or, you know, I try not to do like one-on-ones later in the afternoon because I know that's where I'll, I'll probably be trained and then not booking so many one-on-ones back to back. So I'm always engaged, but you're right. We don't run a case management system. So I don't know when a student, like I know when a student has come multiple times, I can see that, but I don't know, you know, what happens after, right? Because we don't keep track of that. So it's just every now and then, no, like the student will send me a note saying that they've done well, or they've, or they've tried this, or, or they still need some help, right? And so that's, you know, that's the other thing that kind of just drives me, right? And it's just trying to get to the yeah. bottom. So I think I just heard a cat back there. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's one of my degenerate cats because in the middle of something that's important. <laughs> no, that's great. I love that. I love that we do. We're in people's rooms. Yeah, it's it's more authentic this way. You can't you can't fake it. Um, right. So what what do you like least about your job? That's a tough one. Without saying like the natural stuff, like so I have a pretty long commute, so that's been that's kind of sometimes jarring. Um, Where do you you live in uh, North Scarborough right now? No, my used to, I, that's where I grew up. I'm actually oh, okay. in Markham. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So it's a, it's an hour and a half door to door. So I guess one of the things I probably is like, you know, it's as much as I try to be available, I always have that feeling. Am I doing enough? Right. Am I available enough? Like I still like, I, I was just looking at my the data from the past academic year and I'm like, how do I, 
how can I reach more students, right? How can I reach the students that need help? And I'm not saying that every student needs help, and I'm not, you know, out of 3,000, does everyone have to go into career advice? Probably not. Like, I think there's a few that have, like, just a real defined linear path, and that's great. But what about those students? So I think that's one of the things that, honestly, I think, and that's more maybe me, right? But because I just kind of drive myself. But I think that's one of the things is just how can I reach more students because like I constantly get the reviews of we send out these service and it's like I don't know about the services I wish there was more of this but I'm like how how can I reach you like yeah. I've got all these avenues but how can I reach students to come to these events and and meet our employers right meet industry partners and just have that one connection yeah no for sure it's not and it's not easy I feel the same way in the classroom right <laughs> like you yeah. want to reach everybody and you <laughs> yeah. know you won't because whatever tactic you decide to use Right. We'll, we'll reach everybody, right? That's by the virtue. Mm-hmm. What well, you mentioned earlier, transferable skills. And I, that's something I know that you, you really think about. What, what do you think are some of the most important transferable skills that a student should have and why? Yeah. So for me, it's so I, again, this, and I always tell this to students, like I'm a data, I'm one data point, right? So, but from what I have seen as, as a recruiter from the companies I've supported in my past and from what I've been, the research I've done too, like, on the top of those lists are communication skills, collaboration, being collaborative, right? Complex problem solving, critical thinking. Those have become really important. And, I, these, and, and also analysis and research, right? And these are things that for science students, that this almost comes naturally to them, especially when they start out with that natural curiosity and then they, they get into virus and science program and then they start developing and honing those skills. So those are the skills that I definitely would really love the students to not forget about, right? And I think sometimes they'll come into my office and I have no experiences. I have, you know, I've never, I haven't done anything. And I'm like, well, hold on, right? <laughs> Let's talk about this, this, and this, right? And, and so like, if I get the students just to think about those as, as really important skills that they should develop, because, you know, in the pursuit of their degree, they're getting this technical knowledge, right? And that's the thing about being in STEM. You're not only just looked upon for that technical knowledge, you're now even more so you're looked upon for those interpersonal skills. Yeah. No, and I think it's also the way that we test and assess too, that they kind mm-hmm. of make people think that they're only spitting out information that's relevant. And so they don't, or not relevant necessarily, but relevant to that question asked. And so it, it takes away from some of that creativity actually. And, yeah. and you would mention the emotional IQ earlier too. And these are all yeah. like super important in any, any mm-hmm. team based environment. Yeah. No, that's a fantastic stuff. Let's just, I want to move to this, uh, to the rapid fire stuff to get to know you a little bit better. Maybe it'll help. Maybe it'll help bring people to your door when they learn out how, how cool you are. Uh, so, and by the way, he's a very snappy dresser. I've always said that. I don't know. I don't know how you dress when you're at home during COVID, but I was just thinking, you know what? That's how you could tell that Maurice is who Maurice is. Cause he, he's got a, he's got a look to him. That's very unique. <laughs> career guy, really, yeah. Career guy with a tie. Actually, I still wear a tie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when you're at home? <laughs> yep. Oh, wow. Look at that. Good for you. Yeah. Maybe you just need to have that tie on. It's not totally day. Yeah. It's kind of the, the punk rocker in me, right? It's just like that. <laughs> it's, that it's like the society's telling me I shouldn't wear a tie because I'm stuck at home. <laughs> no, I don't wear a tie. No. <laughs> I like it. I like it. You got to keep these in the normalcy, right? Okay. Right. So what, uh, what factoid do my colleagues know least about me? Uh, or sorry about you not me <laughs> yeah no fact probably i don't think a lot of people know that english is not my first language so spanish is yeah and you it's, you, you speak flawless english actually so i wasn't <laughs> um, 
when did you learn? When did you start to learn English? Right when so, you because Panama at the time when I was born, Panama was there's still the, the US dominance of the zone. Okay. So I actually got my grandparents were like, I'm gonna give him a leg up as much as I can. And so they actually sent me half day to an English school. So I spoke okay, I was so. doing bilingual, yeah. So yeah, spoke English from like as soon as I was in elementary school. Very cool. All right. Okay, so what famous person, current or otherwise, would you most like to go to dinner with and why? You know what, I was thinking about Sister Rosetta James, and she's like, a, so I like rock and roll, I like, I like all kinds of music, and rock's obviously one of those genres that I gravitate towards, and, and she's not credited for like being a rock and roll pioneer. So everybody always goes to like Elvis, and it's like, no, 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 rock was created by a black queer woman, so yeah. Like yeah, I'm actually, I'm literally, I'm Googling her right now, I, I've never heard of, uh, and it's yeah. her, so her last name, Tharp? Sister yeah, was sir, Tharp. Tharp. yeah, sorry, it's, it's a Jones, but Tharp, yeah. Yeah, so she's got some great, it can be a little bit gospel-y, but like, she plays the guitar. Yeah. Like an absolute demon, or God, probably more of a god, right? Or a goddess, <laughs> I should yeah. say a goddess, yeah, because she started a gospel, but like, she she's, she's influenced like the likes of the Rolling Stones, Keith Richards talks about her, but she's never gotten the credit. What would be the first thing you'd ask her? I would want to know like how she would feel about like how that music, like the music style that she pioneered, how does she feel about it today? All right. Oh, okay. Yeah. And how yeah, it's and been, been either embraced or, or tweaked uh, or changed yeah. or evolved. Eh? Huh. But oh, I would like, cool. yeah, I'd like to like actually have like, so it'd be less eating and more like, probably listen to music and saying like here like do you hear your riff here right and she'd tell me about that so well where it came from oh that'd be cool yeah yeah did you did you play music when you were a kid like you obviously nope. like music a lot okay no. so you're not okay nope, so you're not a music not, guy yeah. either yeah i can't play an instrument i think it took clarinet in grade nine <laughs> yeah that was that didn't last long <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm not uh, me neither i wish i it's one of those things i wish i would have picked up to yeah. play music on but uh, yeah, yeah. But I have a, a such an appetite for all types of music, so. Yeah, cool. So that's for everybody. That's Sister Rosetta Tharp. There, you can already have a, a thing you can talk to Maurice about. And it's I, I find this fascinating because quite often you'll see these connections of people saying the same thing, and and I will never have heard of these things before. So I love yeah. learning with these questions. All right, what's your uh, favorite food, Maurice? Food. So I would have to say, so my grandmother, so my mom's mom, she was a fantastic cook. She was Chinese. But she cooked great Chinese food, great Panamanian, Latin American food, right? So I actually tend to gravitate towards those. And after she passed, I started cooking, trying to cook her recipes. But I had to do them from scratch because she never wrote anything down. And every time I watched her cook, she would just never tell me what she was, how she made things. She would just say, well, this is how you do it, right? Just not, yeah. I don't know if you've got any family like that. You have, well, how much salt? She's like, you just put salt in, right? <laughs> it's like, yeah. So yeah, so I've been trying to make some, recreate some of her recipes. So like from the, the Panamanian side, arroz con pollo, which is like a rice, one pot rice and chicken dish. And then ropa vieja, which is like a shredded beef dish. And then from the Cantonese side, I've been recreating her wonton dumplings. And so I've been trying to do that. And so I've been trying to put those together. So I've been kind of recreating that. And since we're in, uh, since I've got some time on my hands. <laughs> Yeah, no, and you get to be creative and you get to create something. Mm -hmm. I totally get it. And food, then you get to enjoy it afterwards. It's, yeah. it's, it's a lot of good chemistry. And I must say the food recommendations, I didn't go to the places. I went to them to smell them and I smelt the uh, barbecue, the, oh. the one that you recommend. Oh, 
and it was just incredible when I walked by. So cool. guys, listen to Maurice. He's got, he makes some good suggestions. All right. So what's <laughs> your, when you, when you're having that lovely uh, meal, whatever it looks like, what's your favorite beverage? I think I go with seasons, right? So um, right now I'm into like red vermouth with, so it's a sweeter vermouth with tonic water. And it almost makes, it's like, so you just, you know, two ounces of vermouth and just fill up the rest of the glass with a big chunk of ice or lots of ice and a lemon peel or orange peel and two olives. And it's like a Spanish cola. I've seen it being called Spanish cola. I just see tonic and vermouth, but Spanish cola right now. Yeah. In the, in so the winter, I was thinking with the citrus, hold on, but the citrus and the olive. Yeah. That's a works. weird combination. Wow. I okay. know. I know. It all works though. But yeah, huh. you just do the citrus, like the, just the peel, right? You just yeah. take a peeler and just, yeah. So yeah, but wine, beer, I do, I do mess around with like mixed drinks in the comfort of my own home too. So yeah. Yeah. Very cool. All right. So if complete this sentence, if you were not a career education specialist at Ryerson, what would you like to be? Now in my later years, you know what? I think I would like to be an olive farmer. That would make sense based on the drink that you just said. Yeah. Somewhere in the Mediterranean. <laughs> yep. Just trying, trying my hand out at that. Have you ever had a raw olive? Yes. Raw, like off the tree. Are they not yep. the most disgusting thing you'd yep. ever put in your mouth? Like I, <laughs> yep. I thought I would, I poisoned myself and I yeah. literally <laughs> almost gagged the entire time. I immediately so, regretted that decision. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what would be, what would be something in the top 10 of your bucket list? You know what? I would love to do a tour of Argentina and Chile, but it's a gastro tour. So it'd be like wineries Ooh. and, and meat. <laughs> It's like I said, wineries and meat, because that is exactly what they eat in Chile. I remember going for, so in Chile, going out for a barbecue, mm -hmm. and it was just, it was like seven courses of meat. And then yep. in Torres del Paine, which is down close okay. to the Argentinian border, same thing. Like, <laughs> I was like, do they think that meat is a vegetable? <laughs> it, was just, it was just like a plate full of meat. Like, I was like, wow. Yeah. Anyway, it's, it is tasty. So that's awesome. Yeah. All right. So. So you, you are a foodie. You, you like, you, you're a big guy in, in terms to food and yeah. that obviously means a lot to you and when you're at home. Cool. Yeah. What would you say is your greatest achievement thus far? Maybe, I think it, it probably would have to be getting recognized by like Canada's top 100 for the program we ran. And then we got recognized as a top 100 place for young people to work at. I think that was, that was good. That was a great milestone. I don't know though if achieved everything that I want to. So Hopefully there's something I can do here at Ryerson too. But yeah, yeah I did I, that one today. Awesome. And I know you are making lots of good moves here. So what would you say is your greatest failure so far? Yeah. And then like 12 months later, not having a, that job anymore. <laughs> so yeah. it's hard. Like, and I don't know, like, I'm still, you still like, I'm still kind of struggling without a failure. Like I know like it wasn't my fault that I'm no longer working there, but you still, you identify so much of yourself with your career, or at least I tend to. That one was a bit of a punch to the stomach. I'm not going to lie to you. So, yeah. Yeah. And you, how long? You said you said you were going to take some time off, but did you, did you end up taking any time off between Ryerson uh, and... Uh, nope. <laughs> Six weeks. <laughs> so, so you maybe have, have some unresolved issues that, that you need to go yep. through because you wouldn't have had that closure that you would have... Yeah, seen. no. And it's true, right? Like, I think... And I think that was one of the, the things that I had to really wrestle with. Like, I wasn't... Yeah, maybe I haven't resolved that. And, and that's okay. I think it's definitely set me down a per, like a, a course now that I have a more defined purpose because when you're working in a corporate environment, put in your eight, nine hours, sometimes 10, and you're like, what 
that I accomplished today? <laughs> yeah. Like, what? And it's like, you know, it's been weeks of that. If somebody asks you, well, what did you do at work today? I'm like, I can't tell you. I was there for nine hours and I couldn't tell you. And that's unfortunate yeah. sometimes, right? But yeah, I think at the end of the day, I'm glad it happened though. So yeah. it's one of those weird cognitive dissonance. Yeah, um, it is what it, it yeah. is too, right? Like as they always say, and, and certainly we're glad that you're here. Oh, <laughs> at the end of the day, yeah. It worked out well Thank for you. us. So I found a stride here I and mean, I appreciate that. Good. What is your uh, little lighter question? What's your favorite color? I don't wear a lot of it, but I love red. Yeah, nice. That was my favorite color too. Like, it, I, red, red's getting a few points. Blue and green are killing everything, but, uh, yeah. but I'm glad to hear a few more reds. Yeah, red is, yeah, I like red. Especially we just had Canada Day, so it looks good too on that flag. All right, so what is, uh, what is your most productive time of day? I would have to say the morning. So I tend to get to the office pretty early. That magical moment where I'm like the only one in the office or one of the only people in the office, like I get so much done in that time. Like the emails haven't come in yet right? and the phone hasn't started ringing and I don't get pinged on, on the message boards. But yeah, those, that, that magical moment where you just kind of want the first people in, those are pretty productive. And then with the commute, listening to podcasts, it's always been really good too. So yeah. Awesome. And uh, who is, I think you mentioned this before, but maybe the answer is different. Who is your favorite role model? Who is or was your favorite role model? I have to go to my, there's this whole thing about like meeting your heroes, right? And you don't want to do that, but I, then I definitely have to go to my mom. The sacrifices she made so that I could get to the place I am now. Like I, I don't have kids, so I can't imagine what it's like to give your kids, even if it's to like family, right? But you're like literally like, okay, you, you've got to stay here and I got to go, right? For that period of time as a single mom raising us the way she did. And, you know, like, it's like she made it possible for us to, be in a situation where we can get to where we are now and be successful. I and mean, I just can't imagine the sacrifices she made at like 22, 23 with two kids. Right. So yeah, yeah I, yeah, I'd have to be her. Mums have been stealing a day on the podcast. They, they win everything. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you talk to. Everyone's saying their mom, faculty, staff, yeah. students, men, women, mom is the, is the winner. Yeah. So it's a, it's a lot for that. What concerns you the most? What do you, what keeps you up at night in this modern world that we live in? Mm, yeah. Huh. <laughs> Just the one thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. It could be a multiple yeah. things. Yeah. yeah. You know, what concerns me? I think it's, it concerns me, but it gives me hope at the same time. I think it's just like, obviously what's going on in, in the world with like, how we're going to come out of this on the other side is a huge concern for me because I'm not sure if anybody knows there are some positives, but at the same time, you know, there's other negatives too, but the same thing though, like gives me hope is like, you know, we're putting out some really great talent to solve some of these problems. Right. And then that's the kind of, you know, and I'm and not to say that I want to put the burden on our students, but I do feel comfortable having engaged with a good number of our students to say that, you know what, I think we're going to, we're going to be in good hands, but I'll be honest. I think it's just this great unknown of what's going to happen on the other side of all of this is, is the thing that, Probably right now is probably the one thing that keeps me up most at night. Yeah, no, it's fair. Nobody, it's this complete unknown and this, the normalcy is gone. And yeah. you don't say there's not really a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, there should be one and you, yeah. you know, there's bound to be one because mm -hmm. everything tells you that, but you just can't see it. Good. Fair enough. Okay. So what, um, what is your favorite hobby? Like, what do you like to do in your spare time? Definitely sports. I love sports. I'm really yeah, missing, <laughs> missing out on sports, but I love that playing. I play softball still and then love fantasy football and then just, you know, all that music, 
love all types of music and then reading I should be reading more but I yeah like reading and then I try to like balance that out with like I still read comics so I grew up a oh. little bit of it actually yeah full disclosure if anybody didn't know I'm a huge nerd yeah <laughs> yeah like stop like Star Wars comics, Lego, I loved all that stuff growing up. I still do. But yeah, so yeah, so all that stuff, just that downtime and then taking up hiking. So hiking is a thing now for the last year and a bit. I've just been hiking all over the place. So. Nice. Where, where was the last uh, adventure that you went? Uh, so the Durham Region Forest Track. And nice. I yep. remember the name. Yeah, the name of the, the track that we went into. But it was great. It's some really kind of gnarly elevations, water. So I'm, I'm very particular about what I like. I like yeah. water. I like a loop. And I like yeah. just variety in terrain, right? I'm not a big fan of the out and back because I'm like, I just walked through here. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally. It looks a little different the other way, but not much. <laughs> not much, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, but yeah, so yeah. So now I've been doing, uh, yeah, so every weekend trying to just get out and, and just so trying to explore different tracks east, west. One one thing I did that you might like, since you gave me good advice about food, mm. I did fat bike, fat biking during, in that track during the winter. Okay. Yeah. So you get on those like really wide tires yeah. and it's pretty fun. Like it, yeah. it's not, it's not as easy as it looks, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But, 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 they, but you are able to stay on top of the snow and it's okay. a great way to stay active when the weather is really crappy and yeah. cold and, and that's a beautiful forest. Lots of cool things to see for yeah. sure there. What spot in the world do you most like traveling to? The simplest I've ever been. Yeah. Yeah, definitely Panama. It's still have a connection. After my grandparents died, I was really nervous about losing that connection. I think that's why I like took up cooking my grandmother's recipes and but just trying to get back there. Yeah, going back, definitely. It's just it's it's not home like I, you know, in my head I still think it's sometimes home, but it's it's not obviously because it's changed quite a bit since I've been there. But yeah, going back is, you know, try to go back every other year and yeah. visit different parts of it. Yeah, so yeah. Is it, is it a safe place to visit? Like I, I don't. Yeah. I, I know um, like it's some of the neighboring countries are less. Yeah. Less. So yeah, it's, it's safe ish, right? You still have to be, you have to keep your wits about you. Like Panama city is a larger city. So you just have to like, the more the crime is more nu nuisance crime, pickpocketing stuff like that. But it, yeah, it's a safe city. It's stable government. The economy is relatively stable because they don't just, they, now the canal is, is back under Panamanian control. So that, that income comes in tourism has been booming there so yeah and it's financial it's also the financial like it's a financial capital in, in central america it's switzerland of, of central america right so okay cool i'm gonna have to go there and check that out too all right yeah. so what are you most grateful for in in life things the sacrifices that other people have made on behalf of me right like my mom my grandparents my grandparents didn't have to take us in <laughs> they could have been like, yeah. no, this is, this is, he's, they're your kids. <laughs> you yeah, they're, right? they're, yeah, I already raised you. You're yeah, yeah I ra we've already raised our kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, but yeah, so I think I have to, you know, like, yeah, I have to go back to like mom made that sacrifice of like, you know, deciding like, no, she's going to stay in Canada, establish herself and then come back for us. And my grandparents taking the sacrifice of like, Yep, we'll raise two young boys under the age of three for you while you're doing that. <laughs> what <laughs> right? could go wrong? Yeah. yeah, in their later years too, right? Like yeah. when, you know, when other people are thinking about like retiring, right? <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it was, I think those sacrifices ever made, yeah, I, I have to say that. Yeah, no, that's a great answer. What piece of advice would you give your second year self if you go back to your political science days at Mac? I'd probably tell myself to take more of a control of my like academic career. 
think I was I was a little bit too laissez-faire about it, if, if I'm being completely honest. I wasn't, I wasn't what you would call a strong student. And then I always just thought, oh, second year, I have still uh, so much time before I have to think about what to do after school, right? Yes and no. <laughs> it comes at you quick. Yeah. But yeah, like just take a more active role in what you want to do. So be more curious, ask more questions, attend a career event, <laughs> go to that industry night. I know I'm sound like I'm plugging for the career. No, that's, that, that's good. Though. That's, what, that's why, and you should be there. That's why you're on the pod because not only <laughs> yeah. are you a sagely person when it comes to this kind of advice, hopefully people will reach out to you now because I know that there are a lot of people who ask these questions and, and I guess they know that they should take more control, but they don't know what that looks like. It's a very interesting dynamic for our young people. Yeah. But, and, and it's okay that, and it, this is something that I had to learn really quickly when I got here was that like, I'm here to help. But then I get the feedback from students like, well, they're afraid to come and talk to someone because they don't fully understand what that career could look like. And I'm like, okay, I get it. Cause they don't want to waste my time and they don't want to feel like they don't know anything right or they're maybe concerned that they're going to be judged and so I always try to make sure that students understand that this is a safe space you don't have to know anything about what your career looks like just just talking about it actually can start some great conversation and I'll be honest with you Brian like a lot of times a student will come in as like I don't know what I want to do and then I just get them to talk and then they tell me three things that they could do in this career and just that lighting up and I'm like okay cool we've got something here so let's let's explore each one of them so yeah so don't don't hesitate to come and just even if you just want to say hello right and introduce yourself I'm totally cool with that too yeah no and I and I as we were talking earlier I and and just now you kind of summarize it I remember I was doing this when I was in the SDZ a lot too. You'd always try to be connecting people. And, and I think, you know, you have to listen to them first, but if you, they're kind of like puzzle pieces and you're trying to figure out where the other piece is that they need to connect to, to see the bigger picture and recognize that no matter what stage of the career development, they're just, it's just one more face or facet of that puzzle piece, right? It's not an, it's not like a end game where it's completed after, you know, one connection, but you being a people person and caring, you know, I, I think, that makes a huge difference in how people perceive the interaction with you, but also how you find the better fit for them. And I think that's certainly what I would inspire all students to take advantage of while they were here at Ryerson. Yeah, I appreciate that. And here's the other thing, they can take advantage of this service for five years after their final academic year. It's another okay, so. great feature of like the Career and Co-op Center. There's a, there's a few, re there's a lot of reasons I chose to join the Ryerson Career and Co-op. Like, the faculty labor model, like I'd only work with one faculty, and the fact that we we view alumni, so like once you're part of the Ramley, always part of the Ramley, like five years out, and that's after your final, like, so if they decide to go into like a grad school program here at Ryerson, and in PhD, it's five years after they complete that, that they get support from us, so. Well, and I know, in fact, that there are some uh, former students who are listening, so they might even, they might even reach out to you as mm -hmm. well, so. Maurice, this is awesome. We could do this all day and we're going to. You're, you're a friend of the pod or and Rice Match in particular. You are always going to be able yeah. to see you over and over again. Hopefully, we'll be able to see you soon. And hopefully, yeah. you perfect that cooking and you uh, bring us some the next time we see you. <laughs> yeah, we, we, yeah. <laughs> cooking, cooking with Maurice and Brian pod. <laughs> Ooh, next oh, one, yeah. oh man, these are good ideas. I like it. I like it. I don't know if you could do it just with audio, though. <laughs> good point <laughs> all, all you hear is like beer opening yeah sizzling and then the sizzling yeah. of like garlic and onion and peppers yeah is no, it supposed it's... to smoke like that yeah anyway <laughs> <laughs> Maurice thank right. you so much for doing this really appreciate it and we'll hope to see you again real soon 
Yeah, great. Thanks, Brian. Have a great day and stay well. You too. All right. Bye for now.